Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. Today, the philosophy of Karl Marx. Karl Marx? Oh, come on, why bother? Communism is dead and so is Marxism, John. Not at all. Marx's philosophy is a phantasmagoria of good ideas and insights that have little or nothing to do with the misapplications made by Lenin, Stalin, Mao Zedong, and others. Well, you know, I mean, I like dialectics. He talked about dialectics. That means arguing. We're good at that. And I'm a materialist. So dialectical materialism, I could get into that. You're getting into the swing of things, Ken. Let's see if that lasts when Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 FM KALW, Information Radio for San Francisco and beyond. Yes, our conversation picks up themes that uh, we discuss all the time at Philosophy Corner at Stanford University. Sometimes we like to dig into uh, specific philosophers' views, and we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about uh, some of the elements of the philosophy of Karl Marx. Now, Ken, I, I guess we're going to put the emphasis on philosophy here. That is, we're not interested in the, I mean, we're interested, but we're not going to talk about the fascinating history of the influence of Marx's ideas on the 20th century. We're, we're interested in in what he said that would have been there even if he'd never had any influence on anybody. Well, yeah, that's true, that's true. But I mean, we, we might talk about whether his influence on the 20th century was pernicious or for the good, but but you're right, we're going to we're going to dig into the philo- philosophical uh, ideas. Okay, so what so so what are his biggest big three ideas? Oh man, he's got lots of big ideas. He's got the uh he's got a labor the theory of economic value, you know, labor is the source of value. He's got an explanation of the dynamics of capitalism and he's got this historical thesis called historical determinism. He has all kinds of ideas. There's a nice idea though that I mean that maybe we can focus on to start with before we get into all this Marxist stuff, uh, this notion of alienation and alienated labor, because that's a kind of a pretty fundamental notion in Marx. So, so now this is, a, this is an early idea uh, that goes back to when he was a student studying Feuerbach, I guess. Uh, and as I understand it, it goes something like this. I mean, let, let's say, what would it be to not be alienated? Suppose I'm living in the woods all by myself, and I, uh, I, I decide that I'm tired of sleeping under a tree I want a house. So I decide to build a house. I cut down all the trees, put it together all by myself, do all the jobs. And then it's mine and I live it. So that's pretty unalienated, yeah, right? It's pretty my un- house yeah. and it's mine in every respect. Yeah, you might not have. I mean, in the woods, Marx might have thought you might have had some people helping you, but you would have built it together. It would have been yours together, maybe. But then alienation comes in lots of different places. But suppose that uh, your wife says to you, build that house, John. So I, she commands you to build it. I say, but, but honey, we're... We're happily sleeping under the trees. I don't want to build a house. No, and but you're going to build it anyway. Uh, you're going to build that. So then I'm a little bit alienated. Yeah, you're from a lot it. alienated because you're alienated from the very process of deciding what to do with your labor, right? Now, suppose 
that your wife also like takes over the house and kicks you out uh-huh. right now you don't own the house anymore i mean you created it you had no say in this decision making you created it now you're alienated from the this product that stands over against you as marx would put it as an alien thing okay so it's it's my house is it's of me but it's not mine anymore but now marx was particularly interested in cooperative labor suppose Suppose we in the philosophy department decide to cooperatively put out a edition of Marx, and we all work together on it. Is that unalienated labor? Well, it depends. Now, if uh, if we all work together on it, like fully, freely, autonomously, all participating in the plan. But suppose I'm going to just reduce you to the guy who puts the umlauts on, and that's all you do, and you're kind of a mechanized umlaut putter runner. Then, then you're alienated. I'm going to feel somewhat way. alienated. I'm going to say, well, I was involved in this, but it's not really mine. Yeah. And then if then if Stanford University wants to own it. And, and to have all the profits, well, I'd be further alienated. Yeah, now communism, one of the things it's supposed to do is overcome alienation. Alienation is part of the human condition under capitalism. Communism is going to help us under overcome that. So so are communists, unlike me, just kind of happy little unalienated people? Well, why don't we talk to one? Our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Standen, did just that. She files this report. My father, Paul Kornbluth, was a communist. He believed there was going to be a violent communist revolution in this country and that I was going to lead it. Josh Kornbluth is a performer living in San Francisco. His monologue, Red Diaper Baby, which was just made into a movie, is about growing up, as he describes it, in the communist faith. As a kid, that was not only a serious thing, but totally inevitable, because my dad told me it was, that there was going to be a communist revolution in this country. What he would say is not in my lifetime, but in yours. I was supposed to read Marx, it was assigned, and I read a bunch of it, but you know, man, it's actually rough going when you try reading it. A lot of footnotes. And I, I called Dad at home, because I was at college, I said, Dad, you know, Marx is you know, sort of a drag, you know, the Grundrisse. Hmm. And my father said, you don't have to read it, it's in your blood. By the way, my dad, he never followed sports. I just want to say when Cincinnati won the World Series, there was a huge banner thing on the sports page that said Reds win. My father, he just loved it. It was like he just, he just took a moment to just make believe. The idea of communism that my father conveyed to me, it's a utopian ideal. And it was, it was and is just beautiful. I mean, it's this idea that people shouldn't exploit other people. The people who produce the stuff should own the stuff. The idea of that is wonderful, and it's very, you know, what's not to like? The argument against it is in the execution of it, and execution is probably an unfortunately apt word. You're a kid, you look out at the world, and you see the abundance that America has, and then you see how many people are poor, for example, and how many people are starving, and you know that it's not necessary. You know, we'd walk around from the Lower East Side where my dad lived up Park Avenue, and we'd go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, you know, the neighborhoods where people had mansions. And and you come from our own tenements, which were smaller. But then you see people who are much worse off, and it just is, it's a crying shame. It, it's criminal, it's horrible, it, it's, it's disgusting that we can't share our resources that we have. It does seem not impossible to me that if humanity survives that there will be a time when there won't be a class system. Is that possible? Like, is it possible within human nature not to compete? Is it possible? I don't know. There are these people who believe in 
who are loving people and they have a loving view of humanity and of nature. And despite all of the evidence to the contrary, they have an, an optimistic view. You know, I see that among, you know, Jews and among Christians and among communists and among capitalists. I think that there are just a bunch of people in the world who are loving people. They have these different beliefs, but they're the same belief to me in some sense that we're all in this together. That to me is the essence of the beauty of communism. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.